You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. This is might as well be the state of the wrestling business, part two. Two years ago, I did an episode of the podcast where we talked about where the wrestling business was going on. It was booming. It was late 2019. And I had my buddy Joe Stanziali, and he's returned again. What's up, Joe? I know what all your uh, audience may be thinking. Joe who? Yeah. (laughs) I, I know, think I'm pretty I popular think, around I this think so, I think some of <laughs> some of them remember who you are. You've been on, you've been on a bunch of times, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, well, it's definitely been a minute. It, it has been. It's been a long time since I had you on the podcast, and um, it might have been that episode. I'm not sure, but anyway, yeah. Like I said, we talked about what was going on in wrestling. What was like, you know, things were looking pretty well. Uh, last I checked, you know, AEW was really starting to, I think Dynamite had just started. They were starting to get the ball rolling with their whole thing. And, uh, uh, the, I think the Wednesday night wars were a thing too. I think NXT versus, uh, AEW was starting. I think when we did this, if I'm not mistaken, I think the, we watched the first episode of NXT and AEW Dynamite going head to head. And then we talked about it on that podcast. If I remember correctly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, if not the first episode, it was the first couple of episodes. I kind of like gave AEW a try. Um, I'm trying to think of where we were at at WWE, though, because I want to know if we were at that point where I stopped watching, because no. for anyone who doesn't know, uh, it was around the time where Bray Wyatt lost to Goldberg in Saudi Arabia. That's kind of when I threw in the towel, <laughs> so to speak. So <laughs> no. I don't know when that was compared to I when AEW started. I remember we actually, one of the first things to talk about was the Fiend character. So it was way before the um, the old Goldberg thing. But why don't we touch on that a little bit? So you, uh, for the most part, for a long time, you, you and I, we've been to countless wrestling shows together. We've watched tons of pay-per-views. And at one point, it was fair to say that we were both hardcore fans until at one point, you're just kind of like, I guess, when Punk dipped, uh, like, like dipped and left and retired. You were like, ah, you know, I think I'm just gonna take it easy. I'll keep up, but then you know, which, and then you, you completely dipped with, uh, with you know, the fiend dropping the universe title to Goldberg. What were your initial thoughts with that? What What were you thinking at this point, being a fan of wrestling, seeing something like that? What was I thinking? Uh, can I cuss on the show? Yes, uh, you you can. Do oh, so I, my immediate thought was, what the fuck, and why <laughs> the fuck, and how the fuck, and when the fuck, and how, yeah, just all the what, when, where, why, hows. Yep. <laughs> Um, I, it just made no sense to me, and like it wasn't necessarily like the whole punk departure thing when I started dipping out. It was just kind of, I don't know. I think it was about around the time where I saw NXT guys coming up and getting ruined time and time again. I think that was around the time where I was like, oh, I don't see a whole lot of big things coming up. I don't really like the future and the way this is going. And then the Fiend came in, and I was like, Oh, wait a minute, this is really cool. This is something completely. I mean, I'm not saying completely new, but it was definitely like you know unique for the time that was that was happening, right? You know, there wasn't a whole lot of character at the time. That was kind of one of the things that I was uh, always critical about with WWE and how they were kind of going into the direction of, hey, all of our guys are 
dudes who like wrestling and that's their gimmick you know like I, I like gimmicks and stuff like that so when the fiend came out i was like oh hell yes and then he lost to old man goldberg in saudi arabia <laughs> and i was like for the oh. world title and this is after we already saw them screw bray wyatt the first time yeah. there was no shot i was going through all that crap again and there wasn't a whole lot else besides bray that was really keeping me there so i just went cold turkey i was like you know what that was that was legitimately the last wwe event period i have ever watched until this point if i remember correctly you messaged me and of the of the the thing where it says are you sure you want to cancel your wwe network subscription i remember that's right i yeah yeah i uh, mentioned vince in it i mentioned the wwe i mentioned everybody they probably never saw it they probably don't give a shit but you know hey nah. that, that was that was it cancel my subscription and i was i was done with wwe forever and i was saying to you off mic you got out honestly the most perfect time to stop watching wrestling because I was still covering wrestling in the past year. Um, For you. And it, <laughs> thank you. It was, it was not easy. <laughs> it was not easy. I'll tell you what, like raw was just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And I was like, what the fuck are they doing with like, just questioning myself every day. You know, I, I feel bad for guys like, like Drew McIntyre who, I love Drew. I've said it a bunch of times in this podcast. I think he's one of my favorite guys. For him to, you know, not have his moment for the fans, beating Brock Lesnar, and then being champion at the worst possible time to be champion, it, it sucks. But as time went on, you know, you think, oh, you know, things will get better. You know, it, it sucks right now. I, I tried to be optimistic, but it was just getting worse. The first Raw I watched, I don't think I told you this, the first Raw I watched after, like, the fans came back, it was the night after SummerSlam. I decided to sit down and just watch it. I'm like, all right. Because I haven't actually full, fully watched an episode of Raw in like a long, long time. One of the worst fucking decisions of my entire life. <laughs> because I will tell you what happened on that show. And it, and it correlates to one of the big topics of this whole thing. Um, Karrion Cross, the current NXT champion at the, 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 current, the NXT champion at the time, was making his main roster debut. He was going against Jeff Hardy. In his debut match. Now, we all love Jeff Hardy, and Jeff Hardy's a legend, and you know, he's he's one of like part of like arguably the greatest tag team of all time. But Jeff Hardy has not been booked to be a superstar like he once was, or even remotely any anything good. You know, he's he's just kind of they're just kind of paying him because they don't want him going anywhere else. Jeff Hardy gets a roll up on Karrion Cross. The undefeated Karrion Cross in NXT never took a, never got pinned, never tapped out, booked dominantly in NXT, and Jeff Hardy got him with a roll up, and he cheated too. He had his foot on the rope, and then Karrion Cross did a promo, pretty much saying that I'll get back at him, and then he did, but the damage had been done, and then they made him look like a Mad Max parody, and look like he bought his costume out of a sex shop. And you know what? That ties in great to the whole releases thing because I mean, yes, the roster was bloated and that's you know obviously wwe's fault for making getting it there or allowing it to get to that point but when you have guys like jeff hardy doing that to some young guy in cross i'm, you, I'm sorry there's zero excuse no, <laughs> there's no it's... way you can just be like well we didn't know what to do with him sorry see ya that's 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 the thing so that is a big that's that, that, that honestly is the big topic of this podcast is the releases that we have seen not just recently that I talked about on last week's, on, well, last Friday's episode. This is going to be a special episode, I believe, um, of that, of those wrestlers I mentioned. But just 
every this happens every time that WWE is going to announce their quarterly earnings, their quarterly earnings, I should, I should say. And they release all this talent, and then they go on these business calls and these conference calls, and they talk about how much money they're making. You just released all these people to not pay them, and then you're showing record profits. I don't know what the fuck they're doing, but that's just scumbag shit to me. That That is disgusting. It's And at this point, I don't know how you're not selling the company. Right, but let's not get- just selling the chickens before they can lay you eggs. Because, yeah, I mean, you can, you're going to make a whole bunch of money now, but what happens five years from now when you you release all these guys and there are fans that stop watching because directly because of that? Are you going to get those profits still, or are you just going to release more guys? In I mean, five- where's the line here? In five years, I don't see Vince McMahon owning this company anymore. Honestly, Honestly let's hope not. <laughs> I don't think WWE is going to be run by the McMahons anymore in five years. I think they're going to be owned by somebody else. And honestly, that's probably they're probably better off because honestly, yeah, I mean, it's it's ruining the the product. Yeah, and you cannot possibly sit there and be like, "Well, we're doing this because we need to make cuts and everything." And you know what? They probably do because their roster is gigantic. I think okay, like, I understand I, that. I, but I think let me cuts is bullshit to me. Right, I feel that. But here's the thing, though. Let me list you off a a small list of names of the many names. Let me just list you off some of the big ones, okay? Bray Wyatt, Rusev, Gallows and Anderson, Luke Harper before he died, obviously. The Iconics, Andrade, Strowman, Keith Lee, Ember Moon, uh, Alistair Black, Ruby Riot, Buddy Murphy, Karrion Cross. You can't tell me that mo- in most fans' eyes, one of these people weren't their like most favorite wrestler or close to it. Like I would say most fans really enjoyed a good majority of these people. Here's because here, here's what's gonna happen, right? They're gonna they already got used to watching the regulars in WWE. They already got used to watching Roman. They got used to watching Charlotte. Blah 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 blah. And then when you cut these guys, okay, you're gonna benefit WWE because they're not making as much money as or they're not paying as much money as they used to, so they're gonna make a little more money. But as the fan, we all lose. The, the the product isn't going to get better because of this. Just because you're making a better profit does not mean the product is going to get better. And yes, you can argue that they're going to use this money to sign guys like Charlotte, like Roman, like all these other guys. But us as the fan, that's not going to change anything. If they sign Roman to a 10-year contract, that's still we're still watching the same character. We're still watching Roman, the same Roman that we've been watching for the past however many years before that and now the next 10 years. We're actively losing guys on this roster, and we are actively losing content that we would have otherwise had if you weren't so just inept at doing your job. Let's talk about some of these releases. We mentioned we talked about Karrion Cross, and let and we you can't tell me like I know Karrion Cross. I mentioned on this podcast before that he may not be the best work rate guy, but he had an aura, he had a presence, his entrance was. One of the best entrances I've seen in a long time at NXT. You know, he was <clears throat> he was dominant. Him and his real-life fiance Scarlett Bordeaux, they have a great presence together. And that's another thing. They split them up when he went to the main roster. I don't know why you do that, but whatever, to each his own. You can't tell me that a guy like that can't be like a big monster heel for your company to, for years and years to run. We also mentioned Keith Lee. Ha, out of all these releases in the past year... I don't know how you release Keith Lee. The guy is, in his own words, limitless. You have a guy who's a heavyweight who moves like a cruiserweight, and that is unique. 
You don't need every big man to move like a big man. And that may go and stay with the whole cruiserweight and whatever. Everybody should try and do something to stand out. And Keith Lee did that to stand out. Not only was he just amazing in the ring, but he, again, had a presence to him. He was a great promo. His voice is so unique. Like, he draws you in. And and for those who may not remember or may not know, just look at any of the, the, the uh, performances he had in the past couple of years. He, him and Roman Reigns were the last two competitors in the Survivor Series 5-on-5-on-5 five on five on five <laughs> elimination tag match, and Keith Lee got over. He had an amazing showing with Brock Lesnar in the Royal Rumble. They put both the NXT and NXT North American titles on him against a great match against Adam Cole in the Great American NXT Great American Bash segment the uh, show last year. And what do they do? They change his entrance team. They strip, they strip away everything that made him great. And on top of that, and Joe, I don't know if you're aware of this, you know, like, when he, he got COVID this year, and then they discovered he had a heart condition, and he almost died. Keith Lee? Yes, he almost, they discovered oh, that really? he, he, he may have not been here. As you record this episode, it's actually his birthday. Happy birthday, Keith Lee. Uh, but he was saying in a, in a post that he's grateful that he's here because he might not be here today. And you, it, it, to the sense that the WB medical team did not clear him to come back until he actually got everything sorted out. Credit to them with that. But when he came back, he came back to his hometown in Texas. He faced Bobby Lashley in a match where he pretty much got squashed. And then he stopped moving the way he did. He, he used to wear just trunks because he's a bit of a bigger fella. But then they wanted to wear like, you know, oh, you got to wear singlets and, you know, you did not show his belly. How the, f- like, Keith Lee is a guy who I could have seen wrestle Brock Lesnar next year at WrestleMania. And now it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Not only does it show the ineptitude of the people that are running WWE, it shows the arrogance, the pure arrogance that they have to think that, you know what, nah, we can do this and it's not going to matter. I mean, because you were right. He's a very unique type of guy for his size to be moving the way he did. That's something that AEW it even doesn't really have. They don't really have a guy as big as Keith Lee who can move quite like him. I'd say Lance and Archer. He, he can kind of do similar things, but yeah, Big E, Big E, I'm sorry, I'm looking at a Big E Funko Pop. Uh, Keith Lee is, uh, is, is very unique for his moveset. Yeah, and so if you really, if, if you are anywhere aware of your surroundings, you can clearly see that AEW is a very legitimate competitor to your business. And Keith Lee is kind of one of the aces up your sleeve, and you're just like, ah, we don't need him. <laughs> I don't How is that not know. arrogance to the nth degree? I, I don't know. Like, I've read reports where apparently Vince's yes men are just saying, like, it's not really a big thing to worry about with AEW. Everything's going to be fine. How can you not worry about AEW when the fact that in the past few years, from their inception, they've got Chris Jericho, John Moxley, formerly Dean Ambrose, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, just to name a few. All of those guys at one point or another were in WWE and they were huge money-making stars. Adam Cole was the one guy who saw the writing on the wall where he's like, oh shit, I'm not going to stick around for this. Because you know what they want to do with Cole before before he left for AEW? They wanted to... Know. They, this, you're going to fucking laugh or go, what the fuck? They wanted to first of all cut his hair, which that's kind of his look. They wanted him to be Keith Lee's mouthpiece, and they didn't want him to wrestle. Huh? Yeah. Adam Cole. <laughs> oh, no the, way. The, what? The, the greatest NXT champion in the brand's history, in the greatest faction of the brand's history, the Undisputed Era, 
They didn't want him. They wanted him to be Keith Lee's manager. They 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 saw how great of a talker he is, but they decided to make him Keith Lee. They wanted to make him Keith Lee's manager, and not have Keith Lee talk. What the fuck is? Who thought this was a good idea? You know what? I, I don't know if it was you who said this or another one of our friends, but someone said that you know because I mentioned the fact that these guys are probably going to go to AW or whatever, and you were like, yeah, or someone was like, oh, uh, I can't. I hope they don't sign too much it, WWE talent because it's just it, gonna be. It was me, but it wasn't necessarily. Oh, it wasn't necessarily saying that that. My point is not everybody should go to AW. A lot of people yeah. should because there are other places to work or continue. I understand that, yeah, but because uh, uh, you brought up um, different uh, situations like WCW and TNA and whatnot, but if a lot of WWE guys go to AEW, and let's say AEW is you know flooded with ex WWE guys and only a few AEW guys, whatever, blah blah blah, wouldn't you rather see a roster with all ex WWE guys underneath a a group that really knows what they're doing? Because let's be honest, AEW at this point is going to turn into what WWE should be. I mean, this is so. Even if AEW is filled with a bunch of ex WWE guys, that's very much a good thing, and at least in my eyes, I think it's it's a good thing. Yes, I agree that guys like a lot of the guys in this list, and we'll continue with more in a few minutes. A lot of the guys in this list, guys like like a guy like Keith Lee should go to AEW right away. Um, Karrion Cross could go to AEW, or he could go to Impact Wrestling with his with Scarlett because they were in Impact before he came to NXT, but. My whole point with that was you don't want to over flood the roster, kind of forget about a lot of these homegrown talent and guys who were there with AEW from the very beginning and not so much try to make that name for it. But as we've seen in the past few years, AEW's been around when former WWE talent have gone in, they kind of fit the mold and just kind of go with the flow. Like, you know, even though they were formerly in WWE, they feel like AEW guys. Like, John Moxley feels like an AEW guy. He's not being the same character he was in WWE. But on the flip side of that, Adam Cole is pretty much the same guy he was in WWE, but he's so good at it. And then you have other homegrown talent like, you know, like MJF or Darby Allin or Jungle Boy, uh, you know, who are still very much part of the whole you know, homegrown AW thing. But I think, to your point, yeah, I think there's a good balance. And even if it does kind of get flooded, I feel like they'll still make time for everyone. Yeah, because that's the thing. As long as the people that are booking the show know what they're doing, no one's going to forget about the homegrown talent. Everyone's going to do their own thing. I remember this, too. A lot of the ex-WWE guys and gals that are coming over to AEW didn't do a whole lot in WWE to begin with. They were kind of getting screwed over. So, I mean, if anything, it's it's even better that you have ex-WWE guys in there because now you're seeing what they could have been. Well, let's talk about some of those ex-WWE guys and gals who were doing a great job in AEW, one of them being Malachi Black, the former Alistair Black. Oh, yeah. We've seen him, like, you know, another thing that's mind-boggling is that in his interview, in like, when he did interviews after he was, you know, said he was going to, that he showed up in AEW, they showed him that... um you know that they forgot to make make his thirty day non compete clause a ninety day non compete clause. How the fuck do you forget about that? Well, that's what an aptitude does does for you, man. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, how do you even <laughs> let a guy like that go to begin with? I mean, the, the clause is hardly even the problem here. I know. So that whole thing. I don't know if you ever heard the interview he did with like Jericho. He actually has a pretty good Johnny Ace impression, uh, John Laurinaitis. 
It's like, oh, kid, I don't know. I don't get it. All the names on my list. I, I, I don't get why you're just here. Uh, and it made me piss my pants laughing. Jesus. But but that's the thing. is like, look at Alistair. We've talked about Alistair Black, Malachi Black, Tommy, and whatever you want to call him. Like, you remember the first time you saw him, right? I remember. I don't remember exactly what happened. I just remember seeing him and being like, yes, please, more of him, yes. Like, he is so unique. Uh-huh. And the stuff he's doing, like, you know, like, some people are kind of dread. Oh, fuck, he's shooting with Cody Rhodes. He's doing so. I love like you know how they're playing up the whole thing that the crowd hates Cody and Cody's still acting like a baby face, but Malachi's like, I did what I was supposed to. This was not about beating you. This is to make them hate you, and that's exactly what they do. I'm like, that's that's brilliant. You know the vignettes he does, his promos, just like he's such a unique character, and he's very big on the character aspect of wrestling. You'd think a guy like him who is like so unique in the ring. But he cares more about the character stuff than the in-ring work stuff. Well, that's what happens. I mean, like, let's say you're an athlete, right? And, uh, you know, I'm a good running back. I have great speed, but I'm not very good running in between the tackles. What do you work on? You work on getting strong and being able to run between the tackles. He already knows he's good at wrestling. He already knows that. So why would would you, you know, why why wouldn't you put a whole lot of effort into the character uh, aspect and just make you that much bigger, that much larger than life. Exactly. And let's compare what he did in NXT and in, in the main roster of WWE. NXT, he had a fairly great run in NXT. He came in, he was booked really strong. We we could talk about you know some of his great matches just to, for a few. You know the first one he had with Velveteen Dream. Uh, he had great couple matches with, with uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. Uh, one of your favorite matches, I think, is him and Ricochet tagging against War Raiders. Right? That was a great match. Yeah, incredible, incredible match. I did not expect that match to be as good as it was, and it's one of my favorite matches Black had in WWE. You know, then he gets to the main roster, and, you know, he's kind of thrown together with Ricochet's attack. I'm like, okay, this this could work, and then he's waiting for people to knock on his door. He had one really great match with, uh, with Cesaro, and then he had a couple good matches with Buddy Murphy, and he kind of just fucked around and did nothing. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll say this. I don't know how it is um, now, but um, the guys that went straight from NXT to WWE like Adam Cole, thank God that they didn't have a chance to get ruined. Because, I mean, I don't know why WWE is even screwing around with whoever's booking the show that the way it is now, but NXT, for some reason, gets things right most of the time. It's, <laughs> it's tri- Triple H and Shawn Michaels, man. They know what they're doing. They, yeah. They're just like, it's it's not hard. <laughs> it's not hard. They're, oh. What they're doing is developing talent. And they're developing talent for your brand. And I guess now they've had, like, Vince is like, oh, fuck this, I'm going to take over. And like, and now it's a very different feel with the NXT 2.0 thing. Like, it's, NXT is like now it's back to developmental brands when before it was a touring brand to make people go buy tickets and then, you know, to build upon rosters. Like, Triple H had, like, honestly, if Vince just listened to Triple H and actually followed with things and actually even though... Even though he's like, you know, I might not get it, but this person is over. This person is drawing me money. So I want to try and make sure that I help develop this person the best way I can. And even though I might not get it, they're still they're doing something that they that they mean the crowd love. I don't get why he can't just go go past that and just be like, no, I gotta make it my image. Why do you have to do that? And it was honestly genius the way they had it before. I mean, one of the biggest problems with calling up guys 
that came out of nowhere was the fact that no one knew about him. I mean, look at when John Cena came up with uh, against Kurt Angle. No one knew who he was, but imagine if NXT was around at the time and people got used to seeing John Cena wrestling for the past couple of years and developing his character and everyone develops a little relationship with him and people start to like him so that when he eventually does come on the main roster, they're screaming, yelling, oh my God, it's John Cena. Like, that's that's genius. That like you, you can't get that otherwise. Dude, so another the, how can you mess how can you mess that up? Another prime example of that is Enzo and Big Cass's debut on Raw the night after WrestleMania 32. Please the, don't make me cry. I I don't <laughs> want you to. But like the crowd was saying everything in their entrance. And even though there were some people who may have not known who they were, the the people who may have not been going along with it were just like I don't know who these guys are, but I should know if everybody else knows who these guys are. Another thing that they messed up on, but that is another podcast for another day. Um, we go through some more of these names here. You know, we talk about Malachi Black, talk about Keith Lee. Let's talk. One thing that was very, very uh, clear in this most recent cut uh, batch of uh, of releases, there were a lot of women released in this in this version of the of the roster. One that sticks out, I think, to you and I the most is probably Ember Moon. Oh my God! Yeah. Thank God, I'm so happy for her. They they did nothing with her since she's gotten called up, and I always been clamoring, where is Ember Moon? Where is Ember Moon? I thought she was one of the more interesting females to be coming out of NXT, and the fact that we saw nothing uh, boggles my mind. I don't understand it either. You know, I remember watching her debut at NXT Takeover Brooklyn too, and you know she had a she's just it was a match was a highlight. Her, I think she was facing Billy Kay or uh, yeah, it was Billy Kay at the time, and. When I saw her do that top rope stunner, I'm like, whoa, whoa, what the fuck is, like, that is the most unique finisher I've ever seen from any wrestler, man or woman. I'm like, she is going to go far, and she didn't. Uh, Credit, they brought her back to NXT, and then she was NXT Women's Women's Champion in her first run, then she was Tag Team Champions with with Shotzi Blackheart, and then they fuck Hall with her. How? 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 And only that, she was one of the more like intriguing women that we've almost ever seen. I mean, absolutely. Name name any women's wrestler. Name like two <laughs> that had a legit gimmick, like Ember Moon. You know what I mean? Most of them are just kind of you know they're doing their own thing, but not many of them have like an actual gimmick, an actual character, like she did. There's a lot of guys that did that, not a lot of females. I wouldn't even say she necessarily had a gimmick or character, but if anything that's similar to it, she had she she definitely stood out. She had a presence to her, like she was not like other women on the roster. She moved differently. I mean, we talked about that finisher. That that finisher alone sta- makes you stand out. I don't get how you don't do anything with her, you know. But I think it's safe to say she's a woman who should go right to AEW. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many days that she has to wait or whatever, but whenever well, that thing ends, please. Well, with NXT with NXT talent, they can wait 30 days. Uh, so, theoretically, Ember Moon could go to AEW next month. Uh, for main roster talent, they have to wait 90 days. So, a guy like Keith Lee, he can't, he couldn't theoretically go to AEW until, like, March. Well, it's not based on the individual. It's based on where they were. It's based on what roster you are. NXT talent, 30 okay. days. Main roster, 90 days. Which is honestly just a way to kill their momentum. 
Yeah, that's it's, it's all bullshit there, you know. And another talent we saw with the women's roster was released earlier this year, Ruby Ruby Riot, the now Ruby Soho. She yeah. came. She, do, how, I'm a big fan of Ruby Soho. I don't know how you she, another girl who was very unique in her look. You didn't see many girls look like Ruby Soho, and she comes in AW and they treat her like a big deal. She wins the the. The women's battle royal to as as the Joker comes in to win the number one contender spot to face Britt Baker in the main event of the New York's in the New York show in AEW's first New York show. That's a big deal. Yeah, it's weird. I, it's, it's almost like WWE just wants their tight group of select like ten guys and g- girls, and then everyone else is expendable. I, I I really don't understand it. I don't know how you get in that circle. I don't know what you have to do to get out of it. I have no idea. But what? clearly that wasn't the case for Ruby Ryan. What are they going to do with know. the roster in how like like five, ten years' times? They're not going to be able to bring people like back like Goldberg and Brock and, and Undertaker and whoever. You're going to start relying on bringing people back like Rollins and Roman and, and Drew and all these people. Like, But the thing is, are they going to have the same impact as a Brock Lesnar or a Bill Goldberg? And that's the biggest question, too. That whatever they're doing, remember, they're leaders. Everyone else in the locker room is looking up to whatever the company is doing. If you're treating your talent like this, why do you think would want to come back? You know, after they retire, after they're done, why would they be like, oh, yeah, they, they were really good to me and they're really good to my friends and everything. So I'll, I'll do some favors for them here and there. Why would they want to do that? <laughs> you're not even going to have the quantity of guys to come back and do those things. Who in their right mind right now in WWE would think that, like, you? we've seen the releases, you know, and some big names that were very surprising that were released, one of them like being... Eva Marie. Eva Marie just came back. What the fuck? <laughs> what are they going to do without Eva Marie? <laughs> I, I understand she's not, she's not a good wrestler, <laughs> but it's like, why did you bring her back? <laughs> Another guy, Harry Smith, he was better known as D.H. Smith, I think, in his early days in WWE. He's the son of the British Bulldog. And when he left WWE, he went on to New Japan and had a great run in New Japan, a great touring in Japan. He came back, and apparently the plan was that they wanted to make him a big star in NXT UK, and he fit really well over there. Obviously, son of the British Bulldog. But then, I don't know what was going on with NXT UK. I don't think NXT UK is doing much of anything these days. Um, they have they haven't only gotten their shows together yet, and then he did two dark matches on SmackDown, and they released him too. You uprooted the guy's life. I think he I think he lived in the UK, and he moved to Florida, and then he gets fucking fired. I mean, put yourself in the boots of these guys. Like you, you just came in. You're trying to get a foot in, inside the company. Everything. Would you want to take any risks at this point? I mean, they're probably not allowed to take risks, to be honest. But even if this the small amount of leeway that they give these guys, do you really want to take any any risks? You or do you just want to go by the book at this point? Because if they're firing guys left and right like this and releasing guys, I mean, it's it's like you can't. There's no room for error. And if you want to be creative, if you want to do something new, you have to be allowed to make mistakes. And it doesn't seem like they quite have that leeway. And so it's just going to be blah boring, I guess, for the, whoever much time is going to pass until they fix this, if they ever do. 
who the fuck knows if they ever do it. If they, and if they realize their mistake, it might be too late. You know, there are a lot. At this point, it's like if you, no matter who you are, I think you're probably thinking to yourself, "Am I safe?" Because Bray Wyatt, who is making money hand over fist in merchandise sales, if he gets fired, then who the fuck is safe? Braun Strowman, another guy who's just like, oh, Braun Strowman is yep. like he's <laughs> WWE for life. There's no way he's gonna go anywhere. They fucking release him too. Like, that's, that's like the quintessential gut Vince McMahon guy. Like if you want to think of a Vince McMahon wrestler, you think of Braun Strowman. Like, how was he gone? I, 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 I that I don't get it all. Braun is like, like you said, he's the wrestler that Vince wants. That's that is it. And he works really well in that style. And I don't know how you fucking release him. I just don't know, man. I just don't fucking know. You know, it's like just the the amount of people that they've released from last year and this year is an entire wrestling federation. Yeah. Like an entire like you know, guys like Malachi Black and uh, uh, we mentioned Bray Wyatt. Uh, who else is on this list? You know, uh, Brody Lee. Uh, Brody Lee, yeah, Andrade. Yeah, yeah. Andrade. Uh, I'm looking at the list right now. Buddy Murphy, Riot. Yeah, I Buddy Murphy, Riot. The guys you saw already. The Iconics. Uh, the, icon- <laughs> the Iconics. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys in here, and just recently, Keith Lee, Karrion Cross. You know, there are a lot of guys in in, in your your main event, like your main event scene, like right here, like Malachi Black, uh, Keith Lee, Karrion uh, Cross. Uh, you know, I see Bobby Fish. He could be an upper uh, mid card uh, main event guy, and then you see uh, Frank Frankie Monet now tie of Valkyrie again. Ember Moon, Ruby so- Ruby Riot, uh, just uh, the Iconics. Like you know, there's a women division, like. There's so many guys and girls that you can have great potential with. And another thing that's been going on with some of these releases, and I'm not sure we talked about this uh, prior to recording, but one thing in particular is um, apparently vaccination status was a thing in this. Now, the WWE apparently word word reports are saying they, they did implore their employees, their wrestlers and everything to get vaccinated, but they never made it clear that if you didn't get it, you could lose your job. One of the wrestlers being reported was Nia Jax and a few other wrestlers who were in this thing, but there was no specifics as to who, and I don't really want to speculate as to who's vaccinated and who's not. But when you're going to be going on tour into these other countries and they have a bit of strict COVID protocols, you're kind of going to want to do that to continue this touring brand. I mean, in something where people are so strict as far as like COVID vaccination mandates and all this other stuff, the key to complying is being equally as strict yourself. I mean, how could you say, you know, just be like, oh, here's a COVID policy, blah, 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 but not really nail it into their heads. Hey, listen, if you are not vaccinated or if you are at least not following the policies that we are giving you, then you will be fired. That this this only works if you are equally as strict as the mandates themselves, in you know wherever you're going. Yeah, that's, so, I, I don't get that don't either. Know. I'm just like, you know, it's one thing if like regardless of what are your your thoughts on the vaccine are or not, and if you're a company that like a touring company, they they even have fucking commercials with 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 people saying, you know, this is our shot. You know, roll your sleeve, do do you know, do what we can stop this pandemic, blah, blah, blah. They had those commercials, and they, I think they still continue to play those commercials. I don't follow SmackDown Raw every week, so I'm not sure. But 
Here's another thing, though. If you're not moving the needle in the company, and I might get some flack and some heat for this. If you're not moving the needle in the company or you're a huge, huge star, and if you're not vaccinated, I guess it's like, ah, well, I mean, Nia Jax is that person because Sasha Banks is anti-vax and they haven't fired her yet. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably a multitude of other things, especially with Nia Jax. I mean, if there's any of them that were released, Nia Jax is probably one of the few that's like, oh, I I understand. <laughs> but <the laughs> like thing, with all the backstage problems and whatever else that's been that not, had her Nia, name in it. Nia is is surprising too, considering. Look, I also want to say this that I don't think it's right that people are losing their jobs. You know, it's especially if they've dedicated their lives to something, especially wrestling. But. You know, we've seen time and time again, she has botched a lot of moves. You know, she's hurt a lot of different wrestlers. And over time, it didn't seem like she was ever being punished because of who her family is. She's first cousins with The Rock. And reports have said in the past that they've never wanted to fire her or be on bad terms with her because they didn't want bad terms with The Rock and potentially making him making more appearances for the company. Now she's been fired. I highly doubt Rock will say no to a big money paycheck from the WWE. But now it's like, doesn't matter who you are. You will be fired at at a drop of a dime. But you still have to at least have a standard. Like, if, if they just released Nia Jax, would any of us be like, whoa, really? What? I mean, I'm pretty sure all of us would probably be like, oh, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. I could have seen that coming. I'm, I mean, sho- I'm shocked, but I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked not because that she was a great wrestler. I'm shocked because of just her position in the company and who her family is, pretty much. Because if you're running a company, I mean, you have to, you know, uphold the standard. And if you're not reaching that standard, it doesn't matter who you are. You need to be benched. It's kind of the Bill Parcells way of looking at things. It doesn't matter who you are, what your what names on the back of your jersey. If you're not doing well, you're going to get benched and probably and possibly cut. So you know, the whole Nia Jax thing, I understand. But when you put everything clumped together like they've been doing, yeah, it does. It does raise a lot more questions than probably need be. Yeah, exactly. And I, I look at some of these, you know, other roster members. You know, one thing about what, going back to NXT for a second is that the new standard for NXT talent is that they want the women from 25 or younger. Frankie Monet, who for now back to being Ty of Valkyrie, she just turned 38, and she is a woman who has a very long, uh, decorated career. In Impact TNA, uh, in in Mexico and AAA, she is a phenomenal wrestler. And when AJ Styles came into WWE, when he was like in his early forties, where we all knew AJ Styles, you know TNA, New Japan, Ring of Honor, they mentioned him being a two-time IWGP Heavyweight Champion. They mentioned his time in Japan. They meant, you know, I believe they might have mentioned his time in Ring of Honor as well. But they they said, you know, one of the most decorated wrestlers, uh, superstars, whatever, to never be in WWE, and now he's finally here. They did not highlight that with Frankie Monet, Taya Valkyrie in NXT, and. Just releasing her, it's like, what? why? She could really elevate your roster. Was she as big as like AJ Styles and all of them? Because this is the first I, I'm hearing of her. I wouldn't say... She, I, not to say that she's like on the level on par of AJ Styles. Or like the same, like, like you know, popularity-wise, whatever. But she's a very decorated wrestler, you know? 
she was like the linchpin of the Impact Women's rest, uh, roster, Women's uh, Knockouts division, I should say, for a very long time before leaving Impact and going to NXT WWE. All because she's 38 years old? I don't think necessarily the age should have to do with, you know, you know, with someone's status of the company. You know, maybe you don't want to use her as a wrestler so much, but she's a very decorated veteran. You could use her to train other wrestlers. Yeah, I mean, I can't really say anything about that since I don't really know her very well, but, I mean, I wouldn't put it past the WWE to do something that's stupid, so <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not surprising me. Exactly my point. You know, so there's that, and then they also want the guys to be bigger and, uh, you know, big, beefy men, as Vince McMahon loves, that could potentially headline WrestleMania. One of them, the, the big breakout guy right now, his name's Braun Breaker. I don't know why you got to call him Braun Breaker. He's Rick Steiner's son. So he is a guy who they're definitely building to be the the guy of NXT. But they don't want to do any more of the the veterans that we've seen in NXT. Guys like Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, who's the current champion, Kyle O'Reilly, just to name a few. So they kind of want to wean those guys out. Guys we saw released in that age category is Oni Lorcan. So we mentioned earlier, Joe, and if, you don't, if you're not aware of this, is... Kyle O'Reilly and Johnny Gargano's contracts are up in December. Now, if I'm Kyle O'Reilly and Johnny Gargano, and I'm seeing what's going on, and I know I'm seeing people released, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't think I'm necessarily going to fit that mold in on the main roster. I think I'm probably going to go jump ship. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if O'Reilly jumped ship, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Gargano stayed. O'Reilly, I don't see him staying, but Gargano... I. He did, he has had enough success in NXT, and it, it seems like they've built him up to be a pretty decently big deal. I mean, so I don't know. I, I could see him staying, but you know, it, again, it is a matter of should you versus can you, and would you? You know, if they are trying to get bigger, then yeah, Gargano clearly doesn't fit the mode uh, mold. But then again, if they're trying to get bigger. Then why are you releasing Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman and all these other big guys? But you know, I don't, I don't that, know. That, it's really I guess bad. you can't try and put logic in WWE anymore. No, you can't really think logically with them anymore. That's why when I do a lot of predictions for the for like pay per views, I'm just thinking like, okay, this makes sense here, here, and here, which is why they're gonna do a a, fa- uh, a no contest DQ and Roman Reigns some somehow gonna win the match. <laughs> it's like I mean, it'd be a lot easier to just put their pictures on a dartboard and just throw them. That's what probably what they do. Like, yeah. uh, uh, like I imagine the WWE creative meetings are like the manatees who write the South Park episodes. Sorry, the manatees <laughs> write the Family Guy episodes from South Park. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine <laughs> like it's like Hell in a Cell, Fiend and Seth Rollins, a DQ finish. Oh, I can see it now. The fuck? <laughs> like, like, so you deserve a raise after that uh, comparison right there. Oh, thank you. I get I get paid nothing, so a raise would would help for this podcast. <laughs> um, I, honestly, that's how I feel. Like this how they how they book these shows sometimes, and it's just you you say you don't think C Gargano. Honestly, I could see them both leaving. I mean, Candice LeRae, his wife too. I think her contract is it's not up yet. She's she's pregnant currently with their first child, but I would if I'm them, I'm thinking to myself, I don't fit this mold that they're looking for. I don't see myself doing well here, especially Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole are best friends. And Adam Cole must have been keeping him in the loop of like, yeah, this is what they want to do for me. I'm, I'm not fucking staying. 
So, and Kyle O'Reilly, it was a huge guy in the Indies and Ring of Honor. And just and think of it this way, Joe. Bobby Fish and Adam Cole are in AEW. Kyle O'Reilly can go over there, and they can have an Undisputed Era reunion. They can't call themselves Undisputed Era, but that's just another faction and, and three top-level guys on your brand. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I, I would be surprised if he didn't go over. I wouldn't be surprised if Gargano stayed, however. I don't see Gargano staying. I, I really don't. Because I feel like they'll they'll use him for a bit and then they'll job him out. I I, I, I that's just me. I mean, Gargano could easily stay, but we'll have to have wait. Been doing anything with Ricochet? Because I know when I left, they haven't, but they weren't doing anything. Oh Jesus but, Christ! Uh, nothing, has has a year and a half done anything? No, nothing. That? Nothing's changed with Ricochet. He's had some uh, okay. pretty. He's had some pretty decent showings. Like he was a uh, a standout guy in the Money Bank ladder match this year, but he has not moved up the card at all whatsoever. Yeah, uh, if you're listening to this, get the fuck out. Because <laughs> <laughs> if Ricochet can't make it, buddy, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Gar- Johnny, Johnny, get out of there, pal. Yeah. Can- Candice too, when her contract is up. Another big guy, and and literally big guy, we've talked about a, a lot on this podcast. But Kevin Owens' contract is up in January as well. Now, I think that's going to be very interesting. <laughs> I think Kevin Owens slash Kevin Steen, I should say, would be a huge get for AEW, but I really feel like WWE will do everything in their power to try and make him stay, even though the reports do say they don't expect him to re-sign a contract. You would think, and again, he does have this going for him where he was involved in a lot of big-time matches and feuds and has had a good amount of success with titles and you know just overall being important in the company. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a little tough for a guy like Kevin Owens, but you know, maybe he just wants to change the scenery. Maybe it's not this, this decision may not have anything to do with WWE. This could just be, Hey, that's a cool toy. I want to play with that for a little while. You know, it, it could be a Brian Danielson situation where yeah, exactly. Like when Brian's contract uh, ex- uh, expired in WWE, everyone's like, you know, he, he had that great match Roman Reigns on SmackDown. And everyone's just like, oh, well, his contract legitimately expired. Like, and, and everyone in WWE are just like, you know, eh, he's probably just going to take some time. He charges batteries and just, and then, you know, come back when he's ready. But that's not what happened. He he weighed out his options. He's just like, you know, this is not an easy decision for me. You know, he's got family in WWE and, you know, it's to him to go to the other side is, you know, it's it's great for us as fans, but it's not necessarily an easy decision that he made. And I feel like that could be the same thing with Kevin Owens. But at the same time, Kevin Owens, to me, has not done anything really significant in a big way in a long time. Yeah, never quite got over the hump, I guess. Like He's I, had some bigger moments, but nothing like amazing like, okay, this is peak Kevin Owens here. Kevin Owens has been with the company since 2015, including his NXT yeah. run. He's been world champion once. Can you believe that? A guy who's been in your company for so long, he's considered to be one of your top guys. He's made as one of your top guys, and he's only been world champion fucking once. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's probably a whole, you know, oh, Vince McMahon thinks he's fat type of thing. So <laughs> maybe I don't, really know, I, I, don't, I don't know, but it's, but obviously they like him enough because they, they, they like him enough in the sense that you know he's been booked in decent amount of memorable moments when he won the universal title you know he had that feud with uh you know like he's one of the few guys the main roster guys to have moments with vince mcmahon he he had he headbutted vince on a lot on a smackdown one night you know leading up to a few with him and shane uh and you know that led to brian's return where him and sammy were teaming together you know it could go either way with kevin owens personally i want to see him go back to be kevin steen and go to AEW. personally that's just me 
at this point, I want everyone to jump ship. <laughs> but, you know, I yeah, mean, I, I, it's definitely something that can happen. I, I guess there's other more, like, interesting guys. Because Kevin Owens, Kevin Steen, whatever, he, he's always been kind of like an indie guy. Like, you you know him as a guy who was big in the indies and kind of mm-hmm. made it through there. But I think it'd be really interesting to see other guys. Like, imagine if someone like Randy Orton were to go over. Because the problem with Randy Orton is he was always kind of, he always seemed bored with WWE. I wonder if he would be bored in AEW. You know, like these little what ifs of the guys that you would never think to go over is very possible. <laughs> he teased it. He teased it like before when AEW was like starting up their thing. You know, like when, um, the, I, if you remember correctly, there was like he was doing some live stream and he's like, bam, and he said the N word. He's like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> but he never, he never, he, he never got in trouble for that, obviously, because he's Randy Orton. But he also that mentioned ran- how he would love to work with Sammy Guevara. He's like, he's like, that kid is so damn good. I would love to work with him if I ever got the opportunity. And he teased it online a shit ton about signing with AEW, but he did it to get more money. Um, right. Randy Orton, AEW, though, that would that would be insane to me. I, I, we've said it on the podcast on this very podcast before. The biggest thing that hurts Randy Orton is the, is his own th- personality. If he doesn't have his heart into it, he's not going to do it. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to be as good as he could be. But if AEW is enough to pique his interest, it's very possible he would do that. I don't know how long of a contract he signed because if he if he does want to do it, it's not going to be for a while. But recently, his stuff with Matt Riddle, he's been enjoying. He requested to work with Matt Riddle in the, in the in the first place, and that we 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 can tell when Randy's having fun, and we can tell when he's bored. I guess we have to see uh, how much longer this whole release thing is going to go. Because at this point, who else are you going to release? At, like, I I, I really there? I really don't know. I mean, at some point, I feel like we're going to have like the top stars, and then we're not going to have a roster anymore. The other thing that that comes out, like we've seen recently, is like quote unquote attitude problems after someone's been released or with some someone going on in the company. Most recently, we saw with Keith Lee clearly quote unquote having attitude problems and Bray Wyatt having quote unquote attitude problems. But really, it's just they don't like the direction of the booking of their character. Listen, Triple H had attitude problems. Shawn Michaels had attitude attitude problems. Anybody with a freaking ego in that company has had attitude problems. But if they like you, they'll overlook your attitude problems. I mean, listen, these are a bunch of alpha males who are, you know, who thrive on putting on a show for people and being larger than life. They're going to probably act like that behind the scenes, too. And if you like them, you're going to deal with it. If not, then you're not going to deal with it. So that's not an excuse. Sorry. I personally don't think they necessarily had attitude problems, and I think that they really just are protective of their characters. They just don't want to look bad, and oh, I think sure. that, I think that's just bullshit of just like, oh, they they're released because they had attitude problems. Like, no, they fucking didn't. They were fucking ta- like Keith Lee and Bray Wyatt in particular are two of the most talented wrestlers I've seen in a very long time. Keith Lee, from an all round aspect of of in ring and presence and co- and promos, Bray Wyatt from a character driven part of just that guy is the most brilliant mind in wrestling, like in the past ten fifteen years, and wherever he goes, he is going to be a huge fucking star, because he already was a huge star to all of yeah, us listen- anyway. Yeah, and listen, you know, in WWE's case, their best case is, okay, let's say that they did have attitude problems. Still doesn't make sense for reasons I listed before. But their worst case scenario, they didn't have attitude problems and they're trying to cover their ass. But even if they did have attitude problems, can you blame them? 
I mean, if I oh. if I was Keith Lee and you told me that I'm gonna start being called Bearcat or some stupid shit, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be like, you know what? Fuck you, Vince. <laughs> He he did not. Apparently, a lot of people saying that oh, the Bearcat thing was his thing because he it's a a, a tribute to a, a wrestler that he was a fan of or that trained him. And then he released he recently announced he's like, no, that was not my idea. I think and he commented on a comment on Instagram or something like that, right? Like, no, nah, that wasn't yeah, me. I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And Carrying Cross, someone said like uh, you know something about the helmet, like you know you know you willing to. Uh, to how you're gonna keep that is like, and he just goes, "No one wanted to keep that piece of shit, brother." Carrying Cross openly admitting it, he hated his booking too. We talked about, you know, he went from like, you know, this dominant, undefeated monster in NXT to like, you know, a Mad Max cosplay guy. Like, he, he yeah, was- the, the problems in WWE are far bigger than some attitude problems. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. Overall, I mean, what do you think? It has to be the thing that needs to change for the company, that needs to steer them in the right direction so fans can actually like watch it again. And what do you think is really going to happen? Two different <laughs> points entirely. I'll answer the second one right now. Nothing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> exactly. I mean, how long has this been going on now? I mean, if it's not going to change now, when, when's it going to change? The only thing that's going to make them change is that they actually are close to bankruptcy. That's the only thing that's going to happen. Okay, I, I'm sorry, I just do not see any end in sight. And what they need to do is, if you, if this thing has been going on for years and years and years like it has been, then you start from the top. I mean, it's, for, it's the same way with any sports team, it's the same way with any company, it's the same thing with anything. If you're having long periods of um, being unsuccessful and just not doing a good job, then top is the problem. You can't just get rid of all the bottom guys and keep switching things around here and there and expect things to change unless you change. So and I think pretty much most wrestling fans know that. They know that top has to change, period, end of discussion. Whoever's doing NXT, let them have it or find someone else who can do it. But, you know, again, it's just, it's just not going to. So at this point, we're wasting our breath. The problem, clear as day, is Vince McMahon. A guy who years ago brought us some of the best pro wrestling and memories we've ever seen. And, you know, we can sit here and count all these matches of countless matches we've seen over the years of like Edge and John Cena's feud, you know, Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle at WrestleMania, uh, Edge versus Undertaker, or Undertaker versus Batista, Edge versus Batista feud, you know? Even go back to the Attitude Era, Rock and Steve Austin, and, uh, you know, Cactus Jack and and and, uh, and Triple H, and all these memorable moments we've had over the years, and things have started to dwindle down and dwindle down and dwindle down. Like, it's just a matter of Vince not being in touch with the product anymore, not being in touch with the fans, where you have somebody like Triple H and Shawn Michaels who are very much in touch with what the what the fans and the are saying and like this is what we want from our wrestling. This is what we like and they're just like, "You know what? We're going to give it to you. You're right. That is what the fans want these days." I mean, it's just like, "No, this is my company. I'm going to do, do whatever the fuck I want." Fuck the fans. They're going to pay to see whatever we want anyway. That's not going to happen at some point. That's that's the problem, Vince. They're not. I mean, I'm clearly not. I you haven't had a dime a penny out of me since the whole Saudi Arabia Bray Wyatt thing and even a guy like you who I've never met a wrestling fan that's more hardcore than you are you don't watch Raw and Smackdown no <laughs> like I don't. clearly they are not making as much money off of you as they could 
And I don't if they're watch... not, if, yeah, if you're not watching, then God knows who who is watching. I'm not Besides watching. I haven't watched NXT in a long time either. And you know yeah. what? Here's another big thing that you're going to be very surprised about. I don't remember the last time I bought a WWE shirt. No. Like to to those who may not understand, I bought a lot of them back in the day. I still buy wrestling shirts, but I haven't bought a WWE shirt in a very long time. I could not tell you the last one I bought was. Maybe it was a, good what? money now. <laughs> Maybe it was a Tommaso Ciampa shirt, like the one he came out when they actually gave him a shirt when he was the champion and he was a heel. Maybe it was that one, but I can't remember. So overall, but all this is going to it's going to accumulate. It's going to accumulate, or really a lack thereof accumulation, and they're going to it's going to bite them in the ass eventually. But I just doubt that they're going to make a change before that eventual you know Ragnarok day happens. But the thing is, why is it that it always takes them? It always takes them th- that somebody else is coming, and then they give a shit. Why is that? Why can't you give a shit all the time and want your product to be the best product there is? Well, here's the thing: not it's not someone isn't coming. They're already here. They've exactly. been here for over, for over a year now, and it still seems like they're not giving a shit. So clearly, that's not even the case. Who knows what's going on? I don't. I don't because I can tell you, some of my favorite matches in the past few years have been AEW matches. You know. The the John Moxley versus Kenny Omega in full gear last year. The Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros are all out this year. Omega and Page versus the Young Bucks last year at Revolution. Just fucking amazing sets of matches and with guys who have been in the industry for years and years and years. And I think I mentioned to you and our, and our mutual friend Ed, who's been also been on this podcast, saying that there is a thing. Like I, I've said, like, you know, if there was a way they could capture like the matches that we're seeing in like New Japan and Ring of Honor and the Indies. And if we could somehow get to that level of WWE or or close to it, then it could really make wrestling great again and be proud to be a fan. And that's what AEW is. That's exactly what it is these days. It's like you said, what WWE should have been. Let's see, here's where I disagree with that though. I do not. One thing I don't want to happen with WWE is for them to turn into another AEW or to another indie promotion. Because later on, when we talk about AEW, I'm going to say the same thing. I still prefer the WWE style of things. Something WWE does that everyone else doesn't do is they make their guys seem huge. Their production value is through the roof. Everything just feels right. The sound quality, the the look of everything, all of it is great. They have to do what they're best at. I don't want WWE to turn into someone else. You know, so while, yeah, obviously I want them to reprove and everything. If they lose their WWE special touch that they have, then that's, I still consider that a loss, honestly. That is a huge loss. And that's something with all the shit that we've dealt with 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 WWE these days is that we forget the really great things that they do and that they have done in the past. Like, well, see, they still do. <laughs> There's still a lot of things that they do right as far as, you know, the, the production value and just making the show feel big. Another thing that's, that's, uh, that is really good is, like, you know, the video packages we get for four, four big matches. The one that comes to mind is Rockin' Austin, WrestleMania X7, My Way from Limp Biscuit. Like, people have taken that song 
and they were doing something with Danielson and Omega to build up their match for the Queen show, and they're doing it with Hangman Page and Kenny Omega now because it's revered as the greatest video package to hype up a match ever for the greatest wrestling pr- uh, pay-per-view ever. Yeah, and that's the thing, because you can, you can find great wrestling anywhere. It doesn't have to be WWE. It doesn't even have to be AEW. You can watch Impact, you find great wrestling. You can, find, you can watch uh, the New Japan, you can find great wrestling. And everywhere else, you can find great wrestling. What you can't find is a WWE product. So if you can make that good again, then you're set. You don't have to, you know, turn turn yourself into something you're not. I think we've talked about WWE a lot and the releases and, you know, just a lot of where we've been going. Uh, we've been going about an hour now, so we won't go too much longer. But I do want to get into stuff with AEW. Real quickly, Joe, with all these releases we've been seeing, especially with recently, who are some guys and girls in particular you would like to see go and what would you like to see them? Where would you like to see them go and wrestle? Um, WWE. The ones that just got recently released. The ones that got released. I mean, obviously, I would love to see all of them in AEW somehow. I mean, if they're happy here somewhere else, that's fine. I mean, I'm not going to watch them. I'm one of those guys that tends to find one show and sticks to it. So, you know, as of right now, I'm trying to watch AEW. So, you know, that that's the show I obviously want to see them on. But mm-hmm. uh, I think that there's room for everybody uh, on the show. I mean, I think that, you know... Uh, it would force AEW to be creative and to think outside the box so that they can get these guys on TV and unique in a way that that they don't already have in someone else. You know, I think it would be a good opportunity for them to better themselves, really, just to have an even wider variety of different talent. I think so as well. The names that come to mind for me for sure is, I think, Keith Lee to AEW, Ember Moon, and Taya Valkyrie, formerly Frankie Monet. I think the women that they have released, they can really be those Those two women in particular could be a huge, huge help to wait with the women's division. Even though the women's division has improved a lot lately, um, it could always use more and could always use more guys like Keith Lee because... One thing people criticize AEW for is that they don't have enough big guys. I think they have a decent amount of big guys these days, and Keith Lee would add to that to that list of people. Yeah, they have a decent amount of big guys, but not guys that are like, whoa. <laughs> you exactly. Know? And not like Braun Strowman or something, or Keith Lee. Yeah. Keith Lee is a whoa. Whoa, uh-huh. what the fuck did he just do? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so for the latter half of this podcast, you want to get into AEW. Um, with, for someone like you who has been watching AEW fairly recently, what have your overall thoughts been watching it? Yeah, so to give context, um, I watched the first couple episodes of AEW when it first came out, um, probably like three-ish episodes, and you know it just wasn't my cup of tea. It, it didn't have that 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 same oomph, that same grandiose effect that WWE has, you know. And the roster itself was always, you know. It, it was one of those things where it seemed like an indie roster where, you know, a lot of these guys didn't have these great gimmicks or characters or anything. They were just kind of, you know, there were dudes that were good at wrestling and like wrestling, blah, blah, blah. And you know, the matches are going to be good, but you know, there was, for me, there wasn't a whole lot of reason to watch every week. So I stopped watching it until recently when punk came back. Now, obviously I have to, I have to watch that because you know, <laughs> punk coming back is a huge deal, obviously. So I decided, okay, yeah, yeah. So I decided, okay. It's been about a year, year and a half, whatever it's been since I've gave it a try. Let me try it again. Let me let me see what kind of progress they've made. 
because I really want to get back into wrestling. I've, I've always been a wrestling fan. Even when I don't watch wrestling, I want to watch wrestling. It was just, I was incapable of watching it because I just couldn't find anything that I liked. So having watched it now, it's gotten better, but it doesn't have me yet, I don't think. Uh, the problem with AEW right now is it's still kind of missing something. It's There's still not this Bray Wyatt type character or an Undertaker or whatever else to get me to watch every week. Because my thing is you can watch great matches all the time, at any time. You can watch them on YouTube, blah, blah, blah. What you can't do is watch great promos and great character work every you know saturday or whenever they do their pay-per-views right that's the for me that's the stuff that gets you watching every week the story and yeah yeah so right now it's getting there but it's not quite there yet i still think they still have work to do in the production side of things i think the theme songs for the wrestlers have gotten better but they're still pretty forgetful there's a lot of guys on that roster that i'm like who the hell are you and why should i care you know, so they have some work to do still, but I can tell you right now they have definitely improved from the last time I saw them. That's good to hear. I know that um, the the music has improved exponentially. You know, Adam Cole's theme song in particular is a fucking banger. Kenny Omega's theme song I think is great. The Young Bucks theme song I like. Um, you know, some people just have actual songs rather than theme songs. <laughs> right. Like uh, Jungle Boy has Tarzan Boy. Like Tony Khan bought the rights to the song, and and he has that as his theme song, and it's it works great with the crowd. Like the crowd loves singing it. Called the personality with CM Punk. Um, I think Brian Danielson's theme song is a great uh, addition of you know Flight of the Valkyrie, you know which is his old theme song WWE, but more of a rock edge to it. Which a lot of people thought he was going to get Final Countdown from, from Europe because that was his indie theme. I think in a lot of aspects, there are things that they still need to work on, like the women's division. Like when Tony Khan was taking a, there was a picture he took it, I think, at a Jaguars game, and he had the 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 mock up card for Full Gear this Saturday, and one of the matches that he had was <laughs> Britt Baker versus Blank, whereas everybody else had an opponent. So it's like he didn't even have his his uh, opponent ready for Britt Baker, and there have been con- some criticisms here and there. But the women's division has improved a lot lately too, with Serena Deeb and Hikaru having excellent matches on Dynamite recently. Uh, you know, Dip Britt Baker being like the best thing in that women's division from a character standpoint and an in ring standpoint. Um, you know, there's a few things like to me, some of the tag wrestling sometimes can be crazy to watch. I remember watching a, uh, an episode last year in January where, like, the and the Lucha Bros do this a lot. I love the Lucha Brothers, but they will just, like, come in and out of <laughs> of of the ring, and that will apparently count as a legal tag without them even tagging. But that's, like, a very Mexican style of thing, like a AAA thing. Boggles my mind. I was like, no, can you fucking tag your partner, please? <laughs> which, is why I, which is why I love FTR so, so much is because, you know, they're very particular and they make the little things count the best. They may not always get a five-star classic match, but they're always doing the best of the little things and the storytelling when it comes to the wrestling aspect of it. Right, And you know what? That's another thing that WWE always did really well was you didn't have to, like... Because it seems like the AEW style of things is more um, form, not function, you know? 
where especially with tag team wrestling where they do all these crazy moves that are uh all synced together and they're very clearly like predetermined like hey we're gonna do this tonight you know that it's gonna be really cool we're gonna do this whole sequence whereas in wwe it seemed like it just flowed a little better you know like those whole sequences where two guys do the same thing for you know two minutes or whatever and that's all well and good but in a real match that probably wouldn't happen (laughs) you know what i mean like you're just trying to fight the other guy right so you know that's another thing that they kind of have to work on but um you said something earlier i forget exactly what what it was i'm sorry but when cm punk first came right Mm -hmm. i don't know i like i have i've obviously only been watching since cm punk got back so i don't know how they treated miro when he first came in i don't know how they treated uh the uh, black when he first came in but the cm punk hype seemed to die down really fast now i don't know if that's because he just hasn't been wrestling in seven years and so they're trying to ease him into it or what but it's they can only watch yes. CM Punk come out and talk to the crowd so many weeks in a row before saying, hey, can you please do something? I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah. the the hype for Punk has definitely gone down a bit. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, I think with recently with the Eddie Kingston promo we had, this feels like Punk's first proper feud in yeah. AEW. Even though he was ha- building a match between him and Darby at All Out, it didn't really feel like a feud. It was just like it's a welcoming home party. Um they could be trying to ease him in more. I don't know, but because I know sometimes he does commentary, but that's also just Punk's just really, really good at commentary. He's one of the best, uh, and he has worked with a lot of younger guys. And I'm like, okay, I don't mind him working with younger guys. And even work, did a, worked a, a recently a pretty good match with Bobby Fish. Even though him and Bobby Fish are like close in age, I I look at him working with like Eddie Kingston. I'm just like, and this I'm like, okay, this feels like an actual feud for Punk. So I hope that this thing with Kingston is a jump start for him to start facing bigger top guys on the roster. Uh, excuse me, shit. <laughs> uh, bigger top guys on the roster, you know, guys like Eddie Kingston, and then possibly moving on to, uh, you know, MJF or uh, I wouldn't say Chris Jericho. I've seen him work Jericho too many times. Uh, you know, a Brian Danielson or an Adam Cole or uh, you know Kenny Omega. Eventually getting to those matches. Um, and you mentioned Miro. I'll tell you, not every guy in from WWE go to AEW. They don't get it right the first time. Miro was like paired with Kip Sabian, and he was quote the best man, and he was like bleached blonde hair, and he was playing video games. Like, no, nah, I'm not really into that. Then he becomes a fucking monster and goes on a mega mega heel roster run, beats Darby Allen for the TNT title, and goes on this amazing title reign. So. Sometimes it doesn't always work out in the beginning, but it seems like AEW gets the peep gets their their roster guys and girls where they need to be when the time is right. You know, it could just totally be a, fa- a matter of you know they're inexperienced. I mean, Tony Khan. How I don't know who is exactly behind the booking decisions. I'm assuming it's Khan and Rhodes or whatever. But you know, it's Tony. Tony's the I think he's the sole booker. So it's only Tony. I'm not so because the Bucks, Kenny and uh, and Cody kind of had like their v- EVP titles are kind of just titles in writing. They don't necessarily have the response a lot of the responsibilities that they once had prior to them with the company. Because I think it was like this the, the it was a segment with Dark Order 
and the Elite, where I think the Young Bucks were kind of booking, it was a really, really bad, poorly received segment. And I think that's when Tony's just like, all right, I'm going to be handling the, the booking for the most part, and I have the final say. I don't even necessarily know if they have... The, the one thing wrestlers do have in AEW is that they have a bit of creative control in the sense that they can control the story as of like where their characters are going to make it look good and to progress. It's not like the creative control where guys like Hogan and Savage and Bret Hart had back in the day were like, no, I'm not dropping the title to him, brother. He's 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 bad news. He's going to take my spot. No, it's not shit like that. But it's a sense of like, it's where it's like, if, if you need Kenny Omega to go out and cut a promo about Hangman Page to hype up the match between him and page for full gear this Saturday you send Omega out there cut a heel promo say I need you to hype up the match you know you, you uh, hit these bullet points say whatever you want you got 10 minutes and they'll do that and so you know so with Tony Khan he's only been doing this for how long now so as, as time goes on he's probably going to get better I mean god how, how long did Vince take before the attitude hour started and he started like you know really hitting his stride so you know, I, I think the it's thing is probably also, a matter of time. I think the thing also is that Tony's passionate about wrestling, and right. I don't think Vince is anymore. I, I think he lost his passion for wrestling a long time ago. He just does this for money. Where and right. Vince doesn't, really, I don't think, trust all of his wrestlers. Whereas Tony trusts the wrestlers who came here. He's like, you know, you know, you brought this is what brought me to the dance. So Tony's like, all right, do what you do. So you know what the, the AEW has this going for it. The fact that they don't, the wrestlers don't have to wrestle a billion times a week, is really good for their mental health and everything. And it's going to en- enable more time for them to think about what they want to do next week, and you know what their future plans are, you know, going to be a month or two from now, and everything else. And you know, I, I think it's going to, the more time you give these guys to be creative, you're going to eventually get more creative stuff. I just hope that, you know. It is eventually going to lead to better gimmicks and things like that, not just great matches. Because you know, at this point, I, I, I'm figure I'm figuring they're going to have good matches. I want to have good characters now. I think so as well. I think at some point house shows will happen, but I don't think they're going to be to the extent of WWE, where it's like almost every day throughout the week and almost every day throughout the year you're going to be on the road. And that's actually a really good thing too. We're really realistically, AEW is on is in a, in a town or a city. Once to three times a week. If the Rampage episode on Friday was in the same city that they were in like on Wednesday, that means they taped Rampage. Very rarely Rampage is live. Like this past Friday it was live. And then they have full gear this Saturday. So really, they went to three different cities this week. But next week probably only going to be two. So yeah, that is another thing that I didn't consider. That yeah, a lot of wrestlers probably like you know it's just not a lot of stress on me. I'm not taking so many bumps every night. You know I can just kind of relax and I can look forward to going to work. And it might actually improve as more wrestlers come in because I think I mentioned this to you yesterday or something like that. But eventually this could lead to Rampage going to two hours and potentially splitting the roster like a Raw versus SmackDown type of deal. I mean we know it's worked. In the, we know it can work. It's worked in the past with WWE. Why not AEW, right? So that that's something that I hope I hope happens and kind of excited to see if it does. At the same time, though, what do you do with the other show? Do you make new championships now? No, you don't want to flood the show with champions. You would have, you know, the the only thing I would say is have two main titles. 
but that's it. You would have you know the mid middle uh, the the mid card title of one, and then maybe the tag out title of the other, and whatever the case may be. But you know they have to be smart about it. They can't have a crap ton of titles. I, uh, I think play, that's, play that is a big reason why championships don't mean shit in WWE these days. Yeah, like Big E is WWE champion, and I'm so happy he's WWE champion. But then you have Roman, who's Universal Champion, and this person, this person. Like it's like there's too many titles. So that's just one thing I wouldn't want to happen for AEW. I think I feel like Rampage going two hours is a possibility, especially with how the roster is going. But the ratings have to go up, yeah, and for sure. they have to like the they have to be doing really really well for themselves, and. It would have to kind of, it would have to go head to head with SmackDown at some point because if they're doing it live, the show starts at ten o'clock and it ends at eleven. It's only an hour. I don't think people are going to be staying there from ten to midnight. I know I wouldn't. No, no, for sure not. That that's too much. So maybe someday in the future it could be. Anyway, we've been going on a little bit over an hour, almost hour twenty here. What are your final thoughts as to what things are going on in wrestling right now and? Where do you see things going? Um, you know, I just I just continue to hope that AEW improves and kind of leans more towards you know the pleasing I don't want to say pleasing everybody approach, but you know, just kind of broadening your horizons, giving everybody a little something to latch onto instead of just being the hard the show for hardcore fans, which it still kind of feels like it is. But um, as far as WWE goes, it, it's it's so bittersweet, man. Like. At this point, I kind of, I almost want to see them fail because they deserve it. But at the same time, there's a lot of people that's going to lose their jobs, and almost, almost worse. What's going to happen to the WWE network after WWE goes downhill? Like, are we just going to lose all of that time that we've seen, like all the pressed WrestleManias and all this, uh, all the other archives? What's going to happen to them? You know, I we really hope that uh, that stuff can be uh, be salvaged and be saved. But clearly, something has to happen over there because the way it's going right now is just a dumpster fire. Absolutely. And last bit, real quickly, uh, what's been your favorite thing you've seen in AEW, whether it be a match or a certain wrestler? What is it? I mean, MJF is just probably one of the best things in wrestling, bar none, honestly. Like, the guy I was telling you before we started doing the podcast, like, it's so weird how, because he, he's kind of a cliche heel. Like, he just, what town are you from? I fucking hate your town. You're all fat and stinky. <laughs> but he does it in such a way that it's like, it's it's new. It's interesting, even though it's very not, not new. It's weird, but he, he's so, he has such, so much charisma. Um, but yeah, him, uh, Malachi Black is fantastic. I've always been a fan of him. Anything Daniel Bryan's done since he's come in has been really good. Um, yeah, just all that. I, I haven't seen a whole a lot of uh, Orange Cassidy, though. I don't know if he's still doing the whole hands of the pockets thing, but you know, yeah, Cass- my- Cassidy's still Cassidy, but since his feud okay. with Jericho last year, he's kind of like cared a little bit more, but he's still same Orange Cassidy. I thought you were going to throw Punk's debut in there as well. I mean, obviously the debut was great, but like I said, like. If you're just gonna come out every week and talk, I don't care. <laughs> like, do something, I, you know. I but just, it seems like he's finally starting to. So yeah. hopefully that's gonna become one of the bright points too. Also, Same. can we stop singing everybody's fucking entrance? For the love of God, that let, is so annoying. To me. Let people have their fun for fuck's oh, sake. They can have fun, but have fun like twice or three times. <laughs> 
everything else I just mean, let it happen when, when you hear when you have catchy songs people are gonna sing god damn it's like every song I mean, what, they sing Moxley's song, they sing Punk's song, Jericho's song, Jungle Boy's song. Who else's song? Well, Jack, I can just see all these nerds on the computer. Let me look up the lyrics to Judah. <laughs> I got to think of AEW. Shut up. <laughs> well, the last thing, like, when real quickly before we get off, Sean and I, when we went to the Queen show, um, it, it was a great show, but I had to go to work the next day, and I'm like, dude, I, I, I told him, like, look, after the Bucks, Cole, and... Uh, Jurassic Express Christian Cage match. I need to start going. He's like, he's like, can we just if if Jericho is next, can we just sing Judas and then go home? Like, oh yeah, sure. That's that's all. I, literally, we didn't even stay for the match. He's like, let's just sing Judas and then go home. Like, all right, that's fine. I I had to miss out on seeing Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer against Moxley and, and Eddie Kingston, but but yeah, <laughs> Jesus, I didn't know you were such a hater. Would make people have fun. Why'd you have to tell me that, man? <laughs> I had so much respect for you at one he, point. He wanted to do it. I'm like, fuck it. I'm not gonna leave him alone. Oh sure, blame Sean now. Okay. Let's see what <laughs> anyway, man, thank you so much for coming on the pod. This was uh this was great. We should always do these like every once in a while, catch up on wrestling, see how things are going and how what we're loving, what we're hating. I mean, today's episode was very much of what we're hating these days and very little Hopefully of what we're we start loving things soon. <laughs> That'd be nice. I hope so too. We got full gear coming up this uh this Friday, so uh, this episode on Friday's episode, we'll be doing my uh, full gear predictions, talking about all the things going into the episode. And uh, thank you guys so much. Joe, thank you so much again, buddy. Any last words? Uh, yeah, no. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, all the fans wear deodorant. <laughs> You're always welcome. Anyway, guys, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Please be sure to be following us on Twitter at TNAWP, on Instagram at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. You can be listening to us on your favorite podcast app, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, wherever you can find fine podcast apps. Uh, leave a five-star review, share with your friends, tell them all about it. Tell your friends to wear deodorant because I'm sure a lot of you stink. I'm just kidding. I'm not Joe. Uh, <laughs> let's have a um, let us know what you're loving wrestling right now. Uh, what has been your favorite thing about AEW? Uh, who do you want to see go where in these recent uh, releases of drafts? Uh, releases, rele- recent releases of wrestlers, I should say. Uh, uh, and just support these wrestlers because. As much as it sucks that they lost their job, they're going to be fine, and they're going to go far. So for CJ Palmasano and for my good buddy Joe Stanziali, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.